yeah even thinking about this made me a little nostalgic so all right let's do it um hi i'm zach and uh i'll meet you by the orange julius Shut and mrs field <laughs> you motherfucker did i take your intro kind did of <laughs> Why was Orange Julius like the one commonality between our intros? Okay, well, I'm going to go. My name is yeah. Caitlin, and today we're going to go pick up an Orange Julius, get our ears pierced at Claire's, uh, and get some glamour shots. Oh. And welcome to Manipulating the Masses. Don't give yourselves to brutes, men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives. Tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel. Who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men. Machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You, the people, have the power. I forgot about the glamour shots part of a mall. Like, you're right. Like, there is, there is always some kind of glamour shot section oh, i know I totally did forgot. you ever did you ever go into that store? do i seem like a person that no. would go into that store no i but i see him you know do you think i went into that store uh i think maybe as a young teenager am i right like i think you're like, being really nice like... because yes absolutely i got my picture taken any any chance i get <laughs> like absolutely I went in there and I even Zach I tried so hard to dig up well I didn't try hard I was like damn if I had more time I would dig up some of those photos oh so my god that'd be amazing <laughs> maybe I'll spend some time on Sunday so by the time this podcast comes out we'll post it on our Facebook group I love it and I want to see them and I will hold it over like I'm gonna put those pictures as like all your reference for me like if you text me that picture comes <laughs> up like I'm, I'm I'm integrating those glamour shots into every part of our conversation so. I just have the best idea we should do glamour shots for our company profile oh pictures gosh I love it okay I'm into it it's always the weird like it's always like awkward poses though oh, yeah Didn't yeah they, yeah like, have you hold Old, like awkward poses yeah yeah well the backdrops yeah. are the best <laughs> um like, i had great. a friend or i i have a friend and uh well she's actually one of our designers that works for us kind of um sporadically contractually yeah. um and there's like a store in la that's all the rave that does glamour shots and it's just one of those things that is like that vintage aesthetic that people are just like mm. gravitating towards again mm -hmm. uh so this place is just booming with business and she got her headshots taken there and they're fucking amazing they're amazing oh, i would love that i with think bring her, it back with her permission maybe i'll post those on our group yeah too. <laughs> bring it back because uh -huh. i've seen like I, like in Toronto, one of my favorite cities. Like that, I was walking down the street and they had like a selfie store where it's like all these different backdrops, and you could like go in and pay twenty bucks, and it's like, like they'll like take your pictures and like you'll get it. It's a, it's a market, I guess. It's a business, you know. The twenty twenties of glamour shots. Glamour a shots two point oh. Two point oh. Okay. <laughs> Well, if you haven't guessed already, we are going to be talking about the rise and the fall of the American malls. Mm, Dun -dun -dun. Fascinating. Zach, did you have a mall job? No, I actually didn't have, but I applied to a lot of <laughs> you mall You weren't cool jobs. enough. 
I was not cool enough. And I, it was, I applied so many times. I thought it'd be so cool to work in a mall. Can we pause here and tell our listeners what your first job actually was? Oh yeah. So my first job was working in a farm. Uh, I was like detasseling corn. I'd sit in a tractor all day. They'd take us up and down the cornfields. And I tell you all the time, like I had to like pull the little, like, like the little furry thing at the top of the corns and just throw it on the ground. Like to this day, I still have no idea, like zero idea why I was doing that, but it was all day thing going up and down, up and down. And my favorite part of the story was uh, all the bosses were like on a prison work release program. So it was like all these inmates. I was like 14. It was like these inmates were my bosses. You're like, Phillips, get your ass out there. Like, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not messing with these guys. I just love the era that we grew up when your parents were like, this is a great life experience for him. <laughs> yeah. You should go yeah. work for prison inmates and <laughs> yeah. do something that you're not really quite sure of why you're doing it. Like this is a great life experience for yes. you. Yes, I completely agree. And like I, there was one day where they were like, Zach, there's a special assignment for you today. And like they took me into this barn and there was like a 10 foot pile of goat manure just sitting in the barn. And then I had to like take a pitchfork and like move it to the other side of the barn. <laughs> And to this day, I still don't know why I was doing that. I was like, why am I just moving this pile of shit 20 feet? And that's when I knew. I was like, I'm I'm a city person. I'm never going to make it as a farmer. I don't get it. But, oh, you know, my God. If any listeners know why you move shit 10 feet from one side to the other, I'm still curious to this day. Google hasn't been able to solve my questions. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, that has to be my favorite story about you. It has nothing to do with this podcast, but I did feel like it was necessary. I don't know why. But yeah, did did you work at a mall? Did you work? No, I grew up in a mountain town, so the mall was mm. an hour away. But yeah. I will say that when I was 14, 15 years old and I got that paycheck from my job, you bet your ass, I went mm. straight to the mall and I have my driver's license. I was driving <laughs> yep. my car and I would go by myself like this was yeah. just something i i love to do yeah honestly as i got a little older like there is like because i still pop into a mall every now and then right like i'll just go i'll go like walk around but going by yourself it's like a nice mental space you know yeah. like get a coffee like walk around um not the same allure that it was but not yeah. a bad space you yeah know? Yeah, definitely. Don't you don't have to wait for anybody, you know? Yeah. Like, you're not interested in a store, you can just go to the next one. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to tell us a story. So, there's yes. not you feel free to interject, ask questions cuz this piece of the podcast is just going to be story time. Oh, it's Friday morning. I'm ready for Sit story back, time. Relax, yep, I got my coffee. coffee. We're, okay. ready. We're ready. Um, so this <laughs> I'm like wiping tears cuz I was laughing so hard at the <laughs> shit. Uh, <laughs> this story comes from Business Insider. Um video of kind of the story and the concept of a mall. So mm. the story of the mall begins in the 1950s. America was experiencing an unprecedented economic boom. The mm. economy overall grew by 37%. I kind of stopped here and I was like, why? What was, do you know why? I Post uh, World War II-ish, kind yeah. of like it settled in. And I think all the, the baby boomers, I think people were 
having babies everywhere right it was it like was, it was post world war ii and that was uh it was kind of sad because it's like while the rest of the world is in just total fucking destruction like america is over here booming yep <laughs> losers uh <laughs> so, so i was like what what happened in the 1950s and people accredit it to eisenhower's uh combination of low taxes balanced budget and public mm. spending mm. um the middle class had more money to spend than ever before we knew this the 1950s was really when we saw this middle class strengthen uh mm. and they were spending it on houses and cars Along with uh, this, the economic boom, Eisenhower's Federal Aid Highway Act uh, meant that people could drive to their jobs in the cities while living in a new kind of development. Do we know what this is? Mm, a suburb. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The burbs, the, baby. The boom of the burbs. Ooh. Oh. So is, that's what the podcast is named. The boom of the I burbs. I like that. The boom of the burbs. I like that. Suburban populations rose astronomically, but they mm. lacked what sociologist Ray Oldenburg called the third place. Under this model, home is known as the first place where you live. Mm. The second place is the workplace. And the third place is this vital space where you can go to exchange ideas, form relationships, and create mm. communities. So that mm. third place for social interactions. Fascinating. Enter Victor Gruen, a man who would later become the, quote, king of retail. He had already made a name for himself designing boutiques, but now he set out to design an indoor downtown. Oh, wow. That's a very interesting concept. Okay. I love this. Yeah. As a side note, Victor Gruen hated literally despised what the mall turned into even though he was the inventor of a mall and he quote called it a land virus oh i like that too man victor got away with words all I know. right we yeah. love victor he was also a staunch socialist so which is kind of a little bit ironic um oh, yeah i like him so we do love Victor. Um, so it, on October 8th, 1956, America's first indoor mall opened in Minnesota. Oh, South interesting. Is okay. it interesting? Well, uh, yeah, I, I'll pause. I'll let you tell the story. But like, yeah, OK, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called Southdale Center, Southdale Center. Uh, so it not only had shops, but it had fountains and art installations. It had a bird sanctuary, a courtyard, and all of this within a single indoor complex. So you can see his original vision and how the mall kind of, you know, uh, mm -hmm. transformed from that original vis vision and why he now calls it a land virus. Yeah. I uh, love the bird sanctuary part. I like, know. Yeah, I know. I love that. It truly is. It sounds like an oasis, like something yeah. you can go in and just relax. Yeah. The mall received mostly rave reviews, deeming it an attraction on par with Disneyland, mm. which opened up just a year earlier in 1955. Mm. Walt Disney himself even cited Gruen as his main influence behind the ideas behind Epcot Center. 
Oh, wow. This story is already fascinating. Yeah, I can see it. Have you been to Epcot before? Have you been I to have, but it's a bit, I, I don't know why Epcot. Uh, Epcot, it's less like rides and Disney um, kind of themed things. It's like Epcot has like the world. It has like shops and restaurants from Oh, all these different okay. countries. Okay. It is kind of modeled in that, but every section has a different country. So there are rides there, but it's really not like Disney focused, Okay. you know? I, I think it makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had been to Disney World, but it's been, I mean, 20 years maybe. Oh, you're not a Disney girl, huh? <laughs> no. I am not. <laughs> And that's Me maybe either. A, that's maybe a story for another time, but that had everything to do with my upper okay, it's not a story for another time. Yeah. It's a story for now. Yeah, tell it. <laughs> you can't just preface that. It Yeah. had everything to do with my upbringing. My dad hated labels. He hated labels. Oh. So I was not allowed to wear anything with like Mickey Mouse or Minnie on it. Like it was bizarre. Yeah, bizarre. Um, and Oh. Do then you know why he no, he? I have no idea. In fact, I'm gonna call him up and ask him after this. Like it's just so weird. And my dad is not like super strict about things by any means, but for whatever reason, when I was younger, like he had rules against wearing Disney Yeah. clothing. Um Interesting. and then I just feel like, yes, I've had my fair share of Disneyland. I've been to Disneyland a couple of times Yeah. and I just do not enjoy it. Like too many people and they're just like unhealthy looking people. I'm sorry, but it just like I don't want to stand in line. It's just not how I want to spend my day. Nope. It's the, it's kind of the worst kind of people. Like it is, it's, it's not a lot of fun. <laughs> it's not fun. It takes the overcrowdedness takes the magic out of it. You're just like, hundred percent. this is not my ideal of a fantasy. Nope. Nope. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, Sorry. I was. I distracted you from your story. I knew I was going to do that already. No, I was going to say it is weird because my mom <laughs> is a Disney fanatic. Like she loves what? Disney. I know it is bizarre. So her and my brother actually used to go every single year while me and my dad were like deuces. <laughs> <laughs> really? I know. I know. She loves Disney. Um, and yeah, so it's an, it's an interesting dynamic. And I, yeah, just... I'm looking at your face. Are you having like some family like revelations now? Like this podcast is like part therapy. You're like, whoa, maybe why was there like some backroom debate about Disney clothes with your mom and dad? Like, was I it wonder like at night that like, they closed the door you know and they Zach were like, you got I to let Caitlin wear Disney? I pick my battles and the Disney clothing is not one I choose to go down so you That's know it. this That's is a not wise going to serve choice. as an unpacked Caitlin's childhood trauma podcast it's going to serve as a we're moving on <laughs> and Yeah. uh <laughs> it's a little piece of Caitlin's history <laughs> so um by 1960 so this was just four years after gruen's first mall opened there was 4500 large shopping complexes in the united states like Wow. we moved fast Wow. by 19 What? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Keep going. By 1975, malls and shopping centers accounted for 33% of all retail sales in America. One third of Yeah. all retail sales. 
Wow. Are they counting like strip? I mean, I'm, I don't know if you know, but are they counting like strip malls, like those kind of like areas? Is it, or is it like, oh, now we want to get into complexes? a sub mall category? I, all, I'm saying, like, all I'm saying, suburbs are known for strip malls. I don't know if we classify them in there. You know? I don't like, know if we go down. Uh, so I don't talk about strip malls, but I do talk about mega malls. Oh, so okay. maybe okay. strip malls is a time, is uh, but opportunity. 33%. For that's, that's, unbelievable and in right? comparison th this day and age e-commerce makes up for about 33 percent but yeah. think about the internet and how much opportunity there is to purchase on the internet versus a mall so the fact that the mall captured this type of audience in in such a small space is pretty unbelievable unreal i absolutely i mean it must have been like so successful right people just saw dollar signs Massively. and then they just like started putting them up everywhere yeah it's kind of like i love the comparison to e-commerce because it's kind of like e-commerce sites you know like uh, you see amazon making money and then all of these e-commerce sites start popping up everywhere there's millions of them out there right Amazon uh, is the mall of the digital age. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Gruen's utopian vision for the mall had not been realized. Cheap food courts were installed where courtyards were supposed to be. Instead of this cosmopolitan community, developers often surrounded malls with enormous parking lots. <laughs> and suburban housing projects isn't that so true when you think of a mall you're you think of a parking lot like those two things are absolutely synonymous yes absolutely and then my in my rebellious days we would go to the you would go to the mall i would go to like the mall parking lot and so we smoke could weed. smoke weed yep because <laughs> it was literally it was literally so big like you could just park in the corner smoke weed and no one would bother you you yep. know uh, i'm with you um by the night okay so the 1980s fast forward to the 1980s uh this was the golden age of the mall shopping complexes continued to build at a rate of over 1000 per year and in 1986 consumer reports named the shopping mall alongside the birth control pill antibiotics and the personal computer one of the top 50 wonders that has revolutionized the lives of consumers isn't that so interesting like that a is. shopping mall in comparison to a, a birth control pill or antibiotics let's even like yeah. antibiotics like yeah. this is something that actually helps people survive <laughs> and the mall is compared to something like that <laughs> that's incredible that's incredible gotta love consumerism yeah love it bye capitalism yep. baby um, um so the golden age uh you know 80s teenagers this is really where that centralized idea came mm. into play this was where they went to escape and socialize yeah and i do want to take a pause i mean a thousand per year that's three malls a day essentially like opening nationwide that's crazy whoever Three malls every who, day whoever owned construction companies was oh, cashing in those oh, years yeah, definitely <laughs> Damn. good time yeah. to be a construction owner yeah <laughs> yes yes absolutely um uh, the american mall would reach its peak in 1992 with its final evolution da -da -da, the mega mall Mall of America opened 
with a whopping 5.6 million square feet. And I say million square feet, and I can't even conceptualize how big that is. I have never been to the Mall of America, uh, but I do not know what a million square feet is, let alone 5.6 million. Nope, I can't. I've never been either. But that's why I thought uh, uh, Victor opening in Minnesota too. was interesting because, like, that is where Mall of America is. You know, like when that's I first crazy. started down this podcast, I thought that that mall was going to be turns out the Mall of America. It's not. It is two separate malls. But it is interesting that both of those concepts happened in Minnesota. Yeah. Um. So the Mall of America opened with 500 stores, a theme park with 27 rides, an aquarium, a wedding chapel, and a movie <laughs> theater. How pissed would you be if you, if, yeah, like if your husband was like, yo, let's get married at the Mall of America? Like, who, who signs on for that? I wonder how, yeah. Except um, now in this day and age of like throwing it back and retro and vintage, (laughs) like it's probably a claim to fame to be like, let's get married at this cool vintage spot, the Mall of America. Like, you know, like that. That could yeah. make up some good pictures. We could have the reception at the Orange Julius. It'll be great. It'll be great. Full know? circle. Like, Orange Julius circle. makes a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Mega Mall was immensely, immensely profitable. Reports mm. showed that consumers were 50% more likely to buy something at an attraction-filled Mega Mall than at a regular mall, leading to several more Mega Malls being built across the 50 states. And I mm. just, like, let's pause here. Don't you just love this? Isn't this, like, the most American thing you could possibly do? Like, we can't just have a good thing. We can't just let a good thing be a good thing. We have to make more money and make it bigger. Like that is the most, just make things bigger. It's the American way. Yep. Just keep going until it's too big and it crashes. And like that is the American way. That is the American way. We're such greedy capitalists. Yes, Um, we are. So, I mean, honestly, that was the peak of it. The Mega Mall was the peak in 1992. Um, Wow. So, because the size of the Mega Mall and this, like, unsustainable rate of construction would lead to the collapse of the mall. Mm -hmm. I mean, if these investors, if mall owners had, you know, got it their way, Though every single city would just be like a mall on every corner. And like, you guys know that that's not sustainable. Like, what are yeah. you doing? In in my town growing up, we had one mega mall, Woodland Mall uh, in Grand Rapids, across the street from As another mega mall. Like, oh, there was no. Two, there was two mega malls literally across the street from each other. Like center point and woodland, like they were, and it was like competing. Like that makes no sense to me. Like that's a big on big, right? Like did it, you did you know the word mega mall? I had never heard the word mega mall until this no. podcast. 
No, okay. I had not heard of it, but like they were mega malls. Like they had attractions. They were huge. They like, they tried to, they definitely fit the bill. Both I have them. never been to this quote unquote mega mall. I do not know what a mega mall looks like or feels like. So, so was there in these two malls that you grew up next to? Yeah. They had what you said, attractions. So did they have roller coasters or like what type of attractions? No, not have? like theme park stuff, but like attractions in the sense of like, you know, little kid rides and like fun things to do like I do think it was I considered in my mind a mega mall as in like there's a bunch of stores food court the works but they also have like little things here and there not as big as mall of America where it's like a theme park yeah but they had like little things to like go and they they wanted you to hang out there all day that's what I'm considering a mega mall it's not like uh you go in there's a couple shops it's like these are large complexes with multiple things to do. Gotcha. Would I be wrong in that interpretation or? I, I think, um, I don't think you're wrong. Maybe what you're describing is how I would deem it like a, uh, what's, what's a step down from mega, like, a oh, like ultra, ultra, or like a, yeah. yeah, like, like a, a size, yeah. like a, <laughs> yeah, okay, like enough. an SUV mall. Yeah. <laughs> A mini Not van. a Hummer mall. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Okay. I, My malls you. were like the, um, I don't know, CRVs malls. Mm, no, like a Kim mm, Corolla. I, mm -hmm. I grew up with Corolla malls. You grew yep. up with uh, SUV the malls. SUV the malls. Yeah. The Escalade malls. Yes. I'm with you. I yeah. like that. So there's different like tiers that. we have just established. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Comparing them to cars, you know, I think that fits. I think that fits. Uh, um, so I don't know. So, you know, the peak of it was in 1992, but then you, you get to the 2000s and you do see this steady decline of the mall because we can't let a good thing be. And we just keep building and building and building. So as a marketer, and you start to see this steady decline, how do you pivot to start to stay relevant? That's a great question. And you like prefaced me with this this morning to think about it. And I do think, you know, Mall of America kind of had it right. And you mentioned it. I do think the original vision of Victor, where it's a, it, it's almost like a theme park is the way to go right like it's a day to spend out with your family take the kids go to the mall there's other things to do i just do think that the part of the decline is they relied so heavily on retail like that and you're right like it was just shops on shops on shops and as e-commerce came along i think these malls saw e-commerce as their competitor when they should see disneyland as their competitor mm -hmm. right like how do we get people to instead go from a theme park to come spend the day with us and have a nice day of hanging out and doing things right yeah. Would you, what are your thoughts on that yes i actually went back to victor gruen's original concept as well and granted i did a little bit more research than you did so i have a leg up on you but <laughs> the idea uh and granted this was the 2000s so i'm kind of well, you know what? I'm going to save my idea. I'm going to save my idea for the wrap up of this okay. podcast because it's more relevant to today and how we can like save the mall. <laughs> oh yeah. I like that. I like Starting that. Starting a campaign, save the yeah. mall. Yeah. But like, um, even like making sure there's an arcade, 
right? Like making sure like there's something that you can just kind of like hang out in, especially for the kids, I think is key. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think you nailed it. I think in the 2000s, if you saw that decline, you should go back to the original concept that worked and start putting in a green space, mm-hmm. you know, start putting mm-hmm. in that bird atrium or mm-hmm. uh, yeah, make it an enjoyable place to hang out. This, yeah, agreed. Yeah, I and then I'll just tack on one more thing. Like I, you know, I spent a long time living in Europe and abroad and they, the malls are like still prevalent there. Like they still utilize the malls and it's because like they're a little different than the US. They they do have like atriums and, and big hangout spaces and it is kind of true to that original vision, right? Like it's still stores, but yep. really designed to be a community hub. Yeah. And they're still they're still popping over there, you know? Where did you say you broke up? Oh, uh, in Europe. Sorry. Europe. I like, uh, yeah, yeah. Just kind of trip Portugal. There was a bunch of malls. And even like when I lived in Cyprus, the little island in the Mediterranean, there was like the centerpiece to their entire city. Paphos that I was in was this high end, super ritzy mall. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where everybody went. That's where I went, you know, to go get stuff. And it is just, it's still a centerpiece, mm-hmm. right. Of uh, their culture over there, which is fascinating. Well, the mall investors did not go back to the original concept of Victor Gruen's mall. They just fucking threw a Hail Mary and made the mega, mega mall. <laughs> like, Oh my God. This opened in 2019 in New Jersey. And it had not only a theme park, it had a water park, it had an ice rink, and it had an indoor skiing complex. Indoor skiing complex. You're a skier. Would you ever go to an indoor skiing complex? Um, well, I, I shake my head and I almost said absolutely not. But now that you ask me, I'm kind of like interested to just see what that was like. But no, no, I wouldn't. You know, because the whole yeah. allure of skiing is getting outdoors, riding Definitely. a chairlift. I bet this I bet this complex, you ride a fucking elevator and you're taking <laughs> off your skis. You're putting them over your shoulder. Like that is so, I'm not taking off my equipment just to put it back on over and over and over again like no thank you <laughs> yeah okay um, fair enough that sounds like my kind of skiing where i don't have i, I get nervous with the chairlifts when i get a yeah. few times i went snowboarding like they stress me out so if i had an elevator i'd be like yep sign me up you know let me do it but only uh, an elevator yeah, that you could just like slide into where you didn't have to like yes. take off all your stuff um yes like i'm with you and unfortunately you you know this opened in 2019 and then the pandemic hit so who knows Uh. if this place ever had a chance to survive but the pandemic on top of it like surely is gonna bury this mall um i I didn't take the time to follow up on how this mall is doing because i don't think two years three years is enough of a qualifier to figure that out so yeah you know but... we'll be silently rooting for you mega mega mall in new jersey or just like preparing our goodbye you know just be like all right yeah <laughs> you're, you're or maybe you just won't be a blip on anybody's radar and you can silently just 
disappear. Although you yeah. can't really silently disappear because you just fucking like put your footprint in the middle of New Jersey. Like Lord Absolutely. knows how many million square feet you took up. Yeah. So like, um, crazy. Yeah. Well done. Destroying the earth. Climate, <laughs> climate change. Am I right? Marketing. Uh, okay. Yeah. So marketing, the mall marketing. For you specifically, Zach, I found an article that referenced the ancient pottery markets of classical Greece as one of the first forms yes. of mall advertising. Any uh, ideas on what tactics they took or how they did it? The ancient Greece? Um, uh, well, and, I do. Pottery markets. Pottery markets in ancient Greece. I do think, I mean, they were known for like very robust markets back in the day, right? Like they, it was, I, were they the first, they were the first kind of civilization to have like a spe specified market square, right? I was um, going to save that to the end, but a fun fact, uh, Apollodorus of Damascus built nice. Trajan's, <laughs> I'm just butchering all this, That's Trajan's fine. market, which is now considered to have been the world's first shopping mall. So yes. Mm. They yes. were the first to kind of revolutionize these markets. But um, why pottery specifically? Was it just that's what they sold in the markets or? Uh, uh, don't know. Okay. But that, that was the theme. So I was, uh, I, I was right. God, it's so hard being right all the time. But um, yes. But so, but how did you, how do you think the pottery markets would, would market their product? Do you have any ideas? Uh, you know, I think, it, I mean, thinking back to, I mean, I don't know a lot about the pottery market, but we're thinking back, like they really decorated, they took a lot of time decorating these pottery, these different pottery, uh, items. So displaying them out front, letting people grab them, hold them, mm. like kind of get physical with the shopping touch, and then, yeah. yeah, touch it and then, um, then buy it. Right. And I think maybe that's the way to go. I think you're yeah. thinking even too abstractly. It's pretty, it's actually pretty obvious. They painted on objects like mm -hmm. coins, bricks, and city walls. They, mm -hmm. they literally just painted their own murals or painted their own, they called them ads. Awesome. Yeah, pretty awesome. obvious. Yes. Um, and which I just paused and I was like, you know, don't you find it crazy that advertising has not come any further than that? Because you were like, okay, ancient, ancient, ancient. How did they had to have like involved touch? But it's like, no, they painted on a wall, and yeah. we do the same thing. We paint on walls to advertise. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I th if it works, I guess right. Like, like I how? Don't know. <laughs> I I mean, like these people threw each other into a gauntlet to be <laughs> murdered for sport, and. This was a spectator sport, and now we have football. But yes, like, how, how has advertising not made the same adjustments? Like, it's just you're so the right. Thing. Like, you're so right. I, I think know. it's just it's it's like it's the classic thing that you and I always talk about with advertisement, where it's all about eyeline, right? Like, people look at walls. Like, when you're walking, if there's some kind of like bright colors, they're get, it's it's all about how to get people to get in their eyeline painting on walls is a great way to do it you yeah. know like 
fascinating. And I think you're right. Like if it works, it works. Like why re-engineer something that works? But I don't know. It's something for us to start thinking about because we market in such a saturated industry. Well, not even industry, just marketing is saturated. All this digital space. Um, I don't know, just something else to think about. Like how do we revolutionize advertising beyond painting on walls or in this day and age painting on a cell phone like yep yep just like making sure yeah you're so right Mm. there's gotta be a new way to do it right so um the uh okay so back to the marketing of malls um so obviously after kind of painting on walls uh phased out the course of invent of course the invention of printing came Mm. so then we started utilizing pamphlets and newspapers uh for the shopping mall so their marketing strategy really revolved i'm sorry i'm jumping around a little bit so i'm just gonna kind of piece this together so one yes the the start of mall advertising happened in ancient greece they painted on walls to kind of get people to come to their markets Mm -hmm. um and then fast forward kind of like the industrial era we started printing and then there's you can run ads in newspapers and and you can hand pamphlets and leaflets and now the marketing uh, of malls in the 1950s was really structured around find everything you need in one place it's worth the drive so they started pushing out this message in every single uh platform that they could so a lot of it was televised radio um Mm. that was they really relied heavily on this messaging um and it was all about this is worth the drive like trying to get people like it's worth it to come here get everything you need that's kind of the messaging get everything you need um i am going to chat you a link right now and this is a youtube or this is a uh, mall commercial that i found and i love it from the 80s could not be more classic it's so funny we're talking i mean i don't know if you've seen the new season of stranger things too but it is all set in or i think it was the previous season or something like that it it was all set in a mall right exactly i the first thing i thought of was oh the golden age of the 1980s and then i went to stranger things (laughs) i was like oh yeah it took place in a mall oh the syracuse nostalgia presents huh Okay, so Oh Jesus. Are we watching it together? Yeah, let's watch it together. I gotta skip an ad. Okay. I'm terrified. I accidentally let it play like ten seconds in. Why were dolls why are dolls so terrifying? <laughs> okay. Uh so go ahead and play it. This is okay. a Fayetteville Mall commercial, nineteen eighty six, New York. Can you find Christmas excitement at Fayetteville Mall? Fears, Simply's, and Hess's too. Everything is there. Watch Christmas come alive with storybook scenes and Santa visits to light up little faces. You'll find gifts for friends and family, something for him and something for her. Gifts from high-tech to high-fashion, exciting toys and more. Christmas is everywhere, and it's there at Fayetteville Mall. Celebrate the magic of the holiday. Interesting. I love it. And it really did like throw me back to a bit of nostalgia. Like it was so nice to go to the, oops, another mall commercial is playing. 
hold up. Oh, I know. Now I'm in the algorithm. I'm in. I'm in the algorithm. I'm stuck. Um. Oh yeah, I so, get ASMR stuff all the time. <laughs> um. Yeah, so this commercial just kind of, uh, it, it's around, it's structured, it's centered around Christmas time, and it says, come to the mall, you can get everything you need in one place. So you can send your kid to the Santa's workshop uh, while you go shop for high tech. We also have high-end luxury or high designer mm. fashion or whatever they said. Um, mm -hmm. So again, it's just pushing that message. And Hesses, too. It, what, what was it? Mm-hmm. I said, and Hesses too. I was what just happened? singing the song, you know. I don't know. They they said it in there. I, they said it in the commercial. I don't know what Hesses is. Um, so it was kind of, uh, yeah, it, it was once again pushing that message of get everything you need in one place. Um, so that was kind of the mall, uh, the mall marketing of the 90s, the 80s. Um, it yeah, also I, I Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but can it, I'll add, like, I do think it's interesting that they centered it around, like, visiting Santa. And it's kind of speaking to our, yes, oh, am I jumping ahead? Am no, I, jumping ahead? I like no. that call out. That's why I pointed. Yeah, so I think, uh, like, it, it's like, here's some shops, but also, like, vis Santa was prominently featured in that ad. Like, go bring your kids. It's not about shopping. It's going to, like, have an experience with Santa and your kids see them bright up. And then you can also get all of this stuff. Uh, in addition, do all your Christmas shopping in one place. Yep. You know? um, and the buying power of children did. Yeah. It goes back to our podcast about that. It's like, as long as your child is happy, you can shop for as long as you want, or maybe they could even, um, persuade you to buy something that you normally wouldn't buy. So I think yep. the mall had this idea of the buying power of children before that was even really a thing. I completely agree. They know like if they, if the families go there and the kids like, you know, what's the, there's like always like a candy store in a mall too. Yes. That, like, like they would just go in there and yes. get all sugared up. Yep. And, uh, yep. Uh, it's, it's incredible. So, it, it was really trying to connect customers with brands, but also getting them involved in events mm. and organized mm. by local communities. And uh, those are kind of the two main aspects behind shopping mall marketing. Mm -hmm. I found this quote in the Atlantic that I really liked. They said, malls are prison for commerce, but at least the commerce stays inside them. You can leave it again. So as strange as it may sound, the mall also allowed people to leave commercialism behind. Like a casino is designed to contain and focus risk. So a mall is designed to do it for expenditures. And I just oh. thought that was, yeah, I thought that was such a great call out. I completely agree. But is it really like, is it really the case because we live consumerism in America? Now. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like you leave a mall and there's still like subsidiary stores all around it, right? Absolutely. Like it's not contained anymore. But I think in the case of this like big, you know, golden era where we saw this video take place in the 1986, that mm. was the idea. Uh, and, and it was like a field trip. Like you get to experience all of this, but then you can leave it behind when it's time to like go back to your real life. Now we're inundated by 
consumerism and shopping. Yeah. And I think that maybe I, now that we're discussing this, I think that leads to the decline of it too. It's not this like experience anymore by yep. any means, because you can go to Target and get the same thing. It's in Targets are in strip malls and they're mm -hmm. on every single corner. I don't know. You can just get the things that you need anywhere. You don't have to go to a mall. So I it really, agree. it really, uh, kind of minimalizes the experience that a mall initially set out to have. Yeah. Can, can I ask you kind of a question too? And we can cut it if, uh, if I'm throwing you off, but like, let's say you like are a, a store owner, like you, you run like a retail shop. What would be in 86, let's say, what would be your benefit to like buying store space in a mall? Like, I think, like, that's a big piece of the mall. Like, if they, they lease the store space. What would be the attraction for you to say, I need to be in this mall if you're running a store? I think the first thing would be brand awareness. Mm. Mm -hmm. you, you might not have an opportunity to spend money on marketing and advertising uh, on billboards or commercials or radio, but in a mall, you're capturing all of that foot traffic that's already there to see other stores. I do want to mention too, that the mall structure is always the same. Big department stores anchor malls. And then mm. the middle of it is kind of inundated with your Spencer's or yep. your PacSuns or your Francesca's, like your smaller, <laughs> yeah. and then you have the food court. So the anchors of the mall is kind of the main attraction. Like let's go to a Macy's and then you experience yeah. other smaller stores. So hands down brand awareness and capturing yeah. foot traffic that you normally wouldn't see. But that allure is gone now, right? Like there's not a lot of foot traffic. So uh, yeah, it's kind of mm, turned on its head, right? Interesting. I would agree yeah. with you though. Although it um, didn't work for Hess's. That was it. That was in the commercial <laughs> we would draw and neither of us know what the fuck Hess's is. So swing and a miss on that end. But, Poor yeah. Hess's. We'll have to figure out. That'll be in our recap next week. Yeah. yeah. How is Hess's doing? <laughs> Maybe there's still like, you know, the last remaining blockbuster. Maybe there's like a last remaining Hesses out there that we just don't oh know my about. Gosh, I know. That would be amazing. I, yeah. It depends what they sell. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I hope it's like really something classy, like a, a men's like suit store or something, oh. you know, like something very handmade. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Because that was my thing with malls is like they were in, when I was young, they were inundated with like female clothing, like Claire's you mentioned Claire's like a lot of female specific clothing stores and not a lot of like, you know, I mean, PacSun had like male and female, right? But like not a ton of like guy focused, right? Like stores. It was I always felt a little excluded on the clothing front. Um, you know? the white man feels excluded people you heard it was it a hard first. it was a, it was a hard upbringing <laughs> i went to malls and didn't speak like it didn't feel like they were speaking directly to me it was a tough it was a tough spot to be in as a straight white male it was hard all right recognize oh, my struggle start a group he needs a, he needs a month <laughs> He needs a I need a month. I need a month. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, no, you actually, I mean, I joke, but that is really fascinating. I never thought about that. 
Yeah, it was, it was just a lot of female centric. And yeah, I, I, well, let me yeah. ask: Did you yeah. enjoy buying clothes for yourself? Like, did you enjoy going? I actually did, Try. and I do think I do think, and maybe this is a topic we can elaborate on because I mean, um, the original intent was a social hub of the city, and I think as they morphed in our age in the '90s and early 2000s, as they start to decline, um, it'd be not a full social <laughs> like community spot, but it's still a social hub for like teenagers, right? Yeah. Like when we were growing up, like something resonated with teens to like, go hang out at the mall, like go hang out at the mall. So, um, you know, I, I, I loved buying clothes for myself at that age because it was like that rebellious, like I want to do, like, I want to pick my own fashion. Mm. I want to see how I, you know, I mm. want to buy the cool things in, you know, Hollister and whatever it was like at the time, like you did want to buy your own clothes. So I felt I, I, I did. Yeah. I think that's a missed opportunity on malls parts because, um, you know, I, my brother liked buying his own clothes. Like he enjoys, I don't know, retail shopping too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas I think like the general consensus of men is like that you don't enjoy shopping, but I, I, maybe that's not true. I mean, this is a focus group of two, you and my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and we're two for two. I, two for I two. Enjoy you both it. enjoy yeah. shopping. Yeah. I enjoy it. You know, maybe they were thinking, maybe they didn't understand the buying powers of teens uh, at the time. Cause like, you know, I, I think of like my dad's generation and your dad's generation and they were very much like, I mean, they wear the same shirt, you know, they have the same design shirt seven different times and like not a lot of fashion choices in that. And maybe they're focusing on that generation of men that they're like, yeah, suits and polo tees. And that's about it. Right. Like, mm -hmm. and, and I, I think our generation was kind of new. We were exploring. And I think Gen Z is even more like the their fashion's big, right? So maybe let's go back to my original question. Back in the 2000s, when you saw this decline of the mall and all they did was just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, maybe the solution was to start innovating what stores were actually in there and like start introduce, start actually figuring out who enjoys shopping and your demographic. Don't just keep multiplying Spencer's. Yep. <laughs> Don't keep Who, multiplying Orange Julius's. Like I agree. You know the other one that bothered me. I've seen them in every mall. Who the fuck buys Schwartzy? Whatever you say, the Crystal Company, Schwartzky Crystals. Ah, Who goes to a mall to buy those crystals? <laughs> Like who goes to a mall to buy? Like you'd always pass the stores and they're gorgeous and glittering, and I'm like, who the fuck goes in there to buy crystals at a mall? Swarovski? Right? What? I don't fucking know. Some Swarovski? I don't know. It has the little swan logo. Like that's all I. That's all I know. Did you just but, see me like do the outline yeah, of the yeah. swan as you were <laughs> saying that? Great yeah. brand. Great brand identity, Swarovski, because we can't pronounce your name, but we do know your logo, Swan. Yes, and um, I know their stores. They were always so glittery and pretty, but like, who would who would do that in a mall? You know, they're like, not crystals. They're it's a jewelry store. No, it's like crystals, isn't it? Isn't it whatever the name is, Schwartzky, whatever, whatever. Rock. Crystals is what it is, right? Mm. Uh, we'll we'll follow. That'll up be a follow that. up uh, to the Hess's conversation wrong. and Swarovski. We'll get back yeah. to it. But, but even yeah. to expand, they have K, like K jewelers and like jewelry stores. Like I, I, any guy that went to get an engagement ring at a mall, maybe like 
you know, double think your life choices. Right? <laughs> like maybe there's a better option for you out there. Like just think about it. K Jewelers know? is like really pushing marketing these days. So I feel like K Jewelers is, I don't know. They have the pulse on the radar. Maybe they're onto something. I don't know. Maybe they know something I don't, but like I would never like go to the mall and then like go to Spencer's and be like, Oh, maybe I should pick up an engagement ring. You yes. know, like, yeah. Or like, like if you, if you were thinking about getting engaged and you brought your girl to pick out an engagement ring at K Jewelers, I would fucking <laughs> leave you you would be like done <laughs> it is it's like it's like the costco of jewelry right it's like it, it's jewelry, like yeah. yeah it's like just a little more thought and effort into something important goes a long way right yeah. it's not just like get it done yep you know i'm with you i'm with you um okay <laughs> I love this. I didn't think Can't this would do. be a very long uh, podcast, but it turns <laughs> out that we have a lot of feelings about malls. <laughs> I agree. I have a lot of feelings about a lot of things. A lot of we things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, let's talk about now. Now. Yes. Uh, really beyond just shifting consumer habits from the department store, because that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Like people are kind of over the department store. Mm. Um, but you have to keep in mind that the whole idea of a mall was for this third place for people to live and hang out. But in the 2000s, what happened to that idea? What happened to this idea of the third place? Yes, mm. Zach, the smartphone happened. Uh, so that third place for people to hang out not only shifted away, like people were over the department stores a while ago, but now they've got a new place to hang out. So the mall is becoming obsolete. Oh, so you would say the mall's even competing with like social media and like online, like fascinating. Because you go back to the original concept. Yeah. This definitely. was a place to hang out and feel good and get an escape. But it really, in this day and age, escapism happens in your cell phone, which is, you know, we there's, talk about it in every in every podcast we could go down a tangent yeah unhealthy there's a lot of things, with that. Lot of things mm -hmm. wrong with it but that is what it is interesting um, an article from the la times made a good call out saying that the mall was an accurate representation of fashion and pop culture at the time so if you saw jessica simpson wearing a bucket hat you could go buy that bucket hat at limited to but <laughs> it's just not reflective of that anymore it's just mm -hmm. junk it is um, it's knickknacks it's uh, i agree and i agree it, it, the mall itself is unimaginably smaller than what you can find on the internet <clears throat> and not in a curated sense right like not in a boutique you have a fucking spencers at every single mall nobody needs a spencers no, or, I agree. And, and do you know what Spencer's is? Am I just like well, talking bullshit? No, no, okay. I'm very so everyone, aware what Spencer's everyone is. Everyone yeah. should know what Spencer's is. It's like it's yeah. kind of like Hot Topic mixed with like gag gifts mixed with like, I don't know, costumes. Sex because, toys. Yeah, you could buy like, yeah, yeah you could buy yeah. like slutty Halloween costumes there. That's where yep. you went to become a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you get, that's where you get your nurse's <laughs> certificate. <laughs> uh yeah Spencer's was a wild place uh, did, um, you, did you ever go like do you remember any purchases at Spencer's that you made I honestly you... think that like in college I feel like that's where I got Halloween costumes mm, mm -hmm. you would like and, go there and mm. beyond that I don't know I feel like maybe I picked picked up a maybe a gag gift or two but I, 
I could not, there was like maybe two purchases from Spencer's in my life. Yeah. How about you? Uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm not a knickknack person, but like, I am a big t-shirt. I had a big like t-shirt phase and they did have like funny and pop culture t-shirts in there. So I do remember like going in like that wall of t-shirts, you know what I'm talking about? The graphic about? tee era. The, the graphic tee area. So I do remember like going in and picking out a few of those um shot glasses like yes. beer pong stuff like yeah. I, I like little stuff like that but no no big purchases at spencer's yeah no. definitely not when i was in high school by any means i felt like maybe i explored spencer's a little bit more when i was in college yeah. it's definitely yeah, a it college seemed... like frat boat bro thing absolutely um and i i think something else they called out in the la times and we've kind of tiptoed around is like at the end of the day, in this day and era, like people don't want to buy fashion that's been dictated to them. Like Ooh. malls curate stores and mm. you on the internet, you have the opportunity to explore whatever you want. So mm. you can find underground labels and truly sustainable companies, like wherever you want to fit into culture, you can find that mm. piece of the internet ready and waiting for you versus the mall in the eighties and the nineties. That was the culture. You had to fit into the mall culture in order to stand, to fit in. But now yeah. it's like you have all these corners of the internet where you could find culture. Yeah, it's almost like the death of the mannequin. You know what I'm saying? People would like see clothes like on a mannequin and they'd be like, yeah, that's the outfit I want. You're so right. But now yeah. you can like piece together your own style, right? Uh, Wait, that's, that's did you just did you just come up with the death of the mannequin or have you been absolutely a uh, nope right on the spot right on the spot? Because it is at first I laughed, but at first it's true because like, I don't need a mannequin to show me what clothes I like because I can see it on Rihanna. And yeah, yeah, Rihanna is a yeah. much better looking mannequin than <laughs> any plastic toy. You know, it's like yeah. it, you, you, you want to buy from people and that's the, yes. the bottom you line. Wanna, yeah. And I agree. And companies that are like, I think it's, it's now cooler to be like a niche, a niche company. Like, you know, I, I, I can't speak for teenagers, but like the, like going back to your dad, like the label of Hollister that carried weight as a teenager, our age is now looked at as like a, Oh, that's a, that's a lazy form of fashion, right? Yes. Like, yeah, I'm with you. I like, want to uh, just quickly note that that comment is exactly what kicked off this whole idea. Uh, there is a documentary out on Netflix called White Hot Abercrombie. It's about about Abercrombie and Fitch and how Abercrombie's marketing messaging was all centered around whiteness, total whiteness, and uh, down to the store level. Like they cared so much about the whiteness of their brand that they would not hire people of color. And, Mm. And when they got sued for this, they actually, okay, they diversified their employees, but you know what they did? They put people of color in the back. So Mm. the front facing employees, the cashiers would still be that whitewashed college bro, frat bro, you know, Connecticut looking person. (laughs) And then uh, they put the people of color in the back stocking. Yeah. Abercrombie was one of the places I applied to when I was trying to work in the mall. I was like, oh, this would be so trendy, so cool. And you're right. Even as a white man, I was turned away. I wasn't cool enough. I'm not like Connecticut white man, you know, like I'm... I'm average. Uh, uh, my husband managed an Abercrombie 
for a long time. I'm so happy I know that about him now. Oh uh, my God. Yes. So yes. that's like a little point of pride. Like my husband was good looking enough to work at an Abercrombie <laughs> people. Be the manager of an Abercrombie. Be the manager. <laughs> yeah. They were like, they were like, you're you're white level two. You <laughs> know what white. I'm saying? Like you, you're like, you're not just front, like we're putting you in charge. You're 2.0 like, white yeah, But yeah, I do want to like, say that he isn't he's only he's half German and half Japanese. So he walked that, <laughs> you know, he really broke barriers back then. He stood for the people of color. <laughs> so okay yeah we're we're gonna that's a dangerous road for us to go down but good for good for him yeah. you know i'm proud of him um, uh, make sure he keeps yeah. that on his resume yeah absolutely know? um mm -hmm. but yeah so the, the whole abercrombie story just kind of fascinated me well actually it didn't fascinate me it was kind of obvious to me to be quite honest but Looking i was kind of like you know what happened to malls uh so that's kind of what kicked this whole thing off but yes abercrombie hollister american eagle like the staples of malls mm -hmm. um let's see here I, where Go well ahead. Uh, i have one more thing with that i mean the other brand that i think of with abercrombie is aeropostale right like yes. and that that was like the big one and i do know like when i when i uh lived in mexico for a little while like that was a hot hot brand to have like they would get all the unsold Aeropostale stuff. And like, that was like in Mexican culture, like that was like the nice, nice clothes to have. So it is interesting even how it's, it may be deflating here. I don't think it's done that with the rest of the world yet. I think it's still pretty prevalent. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. I, well, that got, that has to be our third follow-up. So we got Hesse's, we got Abercrombie, and we have Swarovski. Whatever they do. Another call-out is this booming industry of vintage and mm. resale fashion. So people don't want to look like they are wearing crisp clothes anymore. That is a thing of the past. Um, you know, someone was quoted in the LA Times, the same article, just saying like, I don't want to look like I'm wearing a shirt that I just got out of the package. If I get, if someone asked me where I got it, I want to be able to have a story to tell. And I Ooh. find that very true about myself. I love when someone compliments some sort of clothing items. I love being able to be like, yeah, I dug this out of a barrel at Goodwill. Thank mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. um, I, or, I love that. Like a lot of me and my friends have a lot of like clothing exchanges. So it's cool to also be like, yeah, I could pick this up from my girlfriends, you know? Um, like you have a clothing exchange party, like yeah. you all get together, just bring a bunch of clothes and like, it's like the Tupperware version of <laughs> 32 year old. No, no, no. It's not a party. It just kind of like happens. Like maybe, well, the latest one, uh, one of my girlfriends was like, I have a ton of shit that I need to get rid of. Do you guys want to go through it? And then that kind of spawned something. Mm. Everyone's like, I also have a ton of shit. Hey, I have a ton of shit. And mm. so we brought all of our shit together and exchanged shit. Amazing. That's a great idea. That's a fun party. Come on, men. Let's have more fun together. <laughs> like, why, why do we have to like sit around and talk sports all day like let's let's do some clothes exchanges i'd be i that intrigues me i want to i want uh -huh. to roll that into the male culture a little bit okay. you know yeah yeah i'm down i think that's a great idea
Thanks. You know? I thought you were going to make fun of me for it. No, I mean, that was my initial plan, but then you explained <laughs> it. And now I'm like, oh, okay. Like, like now I get it. Now I get it. You know, I'm always down to listen. <laughs> I also just love it because it's like, I, it, it's just another way to save the planet. You know, I'm on this never ending hunt. My, my soapbox here. Don't eat I me. Agree. And don't buy fast fashion. Okay. Mm, I agree. Um, uh, ten, let's see. New clothing is a saturated market. Uh, okay, moving on. Mm. Thrift and consignment endeavors are a booming industry. It in uh, I'm sorry. In I think it was 2018. It was an 18 billion dollar economy that's set to balloon to a 33 billion dollar economy. So, how much do you credit that growth? to Macklemore and <laughs> just... zero I credit... are you sure not even like two percent not even like come on just, a, just a... I'm not gonna I mean... lie because what that album came out in 2012 or something which could be like when I really started taking a look at thrift stores too maybe maybe like two percent right like it was like i i do remember like the thrift store like craze after the song thrift shop came out where it was like oh yeah like let's go check out the thrift short store um mm -hmm. i'm all i'm saying like it is like you know just like malls were pop culture a little a little hit song could be damn thrift stores too if nothing else Macklemore might have just saved our planet. <laughs> he might not have made it very far in the music industry. He was a blip on the radar for two years, but holy shit, did he have an impact on the thing on climate change? <laughs> Greta Thunberg and Macklemore are the leaders, teams, the teams we need, thought leaders yeah. of our time. I don't know. You might be right. I'm not discounting I, it. I, you know, I, I laughed at first, but now I'm kind of like, mm. maybe just like one it, or two percent, not it, the entire thing, but well, like, yeah, yeah. And what's one percent of eighteen billion? Like that's, that's a million amount. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, like it's a significant amount, right? Amazing. So, Zach, any chance of fixing them all? Uh, that's a great question. And maybe you can think about that because I do have some bullet points. Um, you know, yeah. I worked at Nordstrom and uh, that is what I did. I pushed product. I was a producer in the beauty industry and um, sorry, not beauty industry, but the beauty department. Um, and we all we did day in and day out was make uh, campaigns for the latest product mm. and uh, brands bought those placements. So every time you walk into a department store or the beauty uh, department specifically, because that's all I know, and you mm -hmm. see like an ad for the latest Chanel lipstick and it's in the middle of the floor and you kind of have to walk around it and it's displaying all of Chanel's latest lipstick, they pay for that placement. Yeah. Um, so I think that contributes, like that aspect of marketing definitely contributes uh, to the mall's growth, or I should yeah. say Nordstrom's growth at the very least. Like you're getting yeah. a significant amount of money from that one placement. For a month, it was like $20,000. Yeah. Um, 
But I think to just spin off of that, like creating um, structures, creating an environment, creating a place where people want to go. So stop pushing product down people's throats and like more is not better. So don't build more malls, make them exclusive again, potentially, Mm. um, and then use these spaces like these middle spaces in the mall as visual statements. And while I was at Nordstrom, we had a whole team dedicated to this very thing. So you walk down, so there's like the beauty department and then underneath there's kind of like the men's. There was an entire department that had that had an ever-changing uh, structure on a monthly basis, installment, I should say. So mm-hmm. different light, you know, they would create like this cool place to go shop. Yeah. Um, and then we had another one on the upstairs level. So one month it would be like Hello Kitty themed or something, or one month it would be like for dogs, for pets. Uh, yeah. And they created this environment. And so I thought that was really well done. And I think maybe something that malls currently can um, implement themselves. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great call. And I think I see two I see it going either direction from where it's at right now. I love your idea of exclusivity. Like what if malls hired hired personal shoppers? Again, like you could go to the mall and maybe it's a you know a small fee and you have like a someone that knows the mall that listens to you and then you walk with them and you know they they help you choose different clothes and piece things together and go to the different stores like that kind of like exclusive personalized help would be helpful but i also think in the other direction like if you can't you can't compete with e-commerce convenience right shopping in your sweatpants on your phone is you can't as a mall, right? Like it's impossible where you might be able to get them is price point, right? Like if it's, if you reduce the price of products in the mall and it's cheaper to just drive to the mall, get it, than it is houred around line, then you may be drawing some people back is like, maybe it's just like a discount. I don't think it's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. You can't you can't discount steeply enough to compete with e-commerce. I mean, yeah. nothing is cheaper than Amazon right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And like Amazon's mm-hmm. customer service, the 2-day turnaround. So, I actually respectfully disagree with everything <laughs> you said. <laughs> Uh, well, at least you put respectfully in front of it. So my feelings aren't hurt at all. You know, here's my thing. I love that you brought that up, though. And this is why we're great business partners is like you think about things that I don't and then I kind of come around to them. So, you know, we could continue having this conversation offline. And maybe I might come around to it. But I hate the idea of a personal shopper hate it. Yeah. And this is your Midwest nature and my like very sheltered West Coast. like I hate everybody nature. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I want to talk to someone. Like, walk me through the mall. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, let me do this myself. Hate yeah. the idea. Hate the idea yeah. of a personal shopper. Um, and then enough. the discount, um, you just you can't compete on that level. So yeah. I think, in my opinion, this is what I would do. This is uh, kind of my suggestion back at my initial question. Yeah. So I'm going to bring it full circle. I think we talked a lot about the repetitive nature and the redundancy 
of these malls. You know when you walk into a mall in California, you're going to have the same shops if you walk into a mall in New York. Mm. So I go back to this exclusivity where you revolutionize the stores that are actually in there. Introduce stores to people that they would not normally find. Like, I don't want to see another Abercrombie. I don't want to see another American Eagle. I've seen it before. I know what they Mm -hmm. have to offer. Show me a sustainable brand that I have never found before, you know, Mm -hmm. or um, instead Mm -hmm. of Lululemon, can you provide me an an alternative to leggings or athleisure wear? I want alternatives to mainstream. And I think Mm. that's what initially the mall, well, no, I I don't say, I don't think that that's what it set out to do, but I think we can pivot to that. I think the mall yeah. should become an alternative to mainstream instead of being mainstream. Yeah, I, I love that. So let me flip the, I completely agree with you. And then, so let me flip the script. Let's say you're like a niche e-commerce company um, who's, you know, sustainable clothing and you're doing well on the e-commerce front. What's What's a mall have to do to pitch you to buy a brick and mortar placement? Like why, why? why would you draw a brick and mortar placement right the stores around me so and this is kind of what i had this i I even got going on this i was like damn we should invest in a mall uh (laughs) because okay so i went to this place uh like a cosmetic um dermatologist in uh bellevue uh, Seattle or yeah. well, Bellevue is its own city, but Bellevue, Washington and Bellevue yeah. is known to be like the frou-frou city. Like that yeah. is where all the cougars hang out. That's where people Line have a lot up. of, that's where a lot of people mm-hmm. have a lot of money. Um, so there was this place, it was a cosmetic dermatologist. And in that place, there was a fitness center and then a juice bar. And I was like, oh my God, I want to hang out here all day. So just kind of expanding on that idea mm. to provide services in addition to little things that can like, you know, you're there for cosmetic dermatology. Um, maybe there's a unique makeup store. It's not Sephora. Yeah. It's not fucking Ulta. It's a unique, it's Fenty, you know, Rihanna's yep. brand or it's yep. Morphe or, you know, it's a unique yep. brand um, that you haven't heard of before, but they offer sustainable, sustainable, you know, vegan product. You know, it's like you want I'm the whole you. experience. So if I was, a, if I was somewhere, if I was a company that was just living in the e-commerce world and a mall pitched me and said, Hey, we're going to have this lineup of stores. And guess what? In the middle, we're going to have have a yoga studio. So people are not only coming here to shop, they're coming here to exercise and everything that your brand stands for, we're going to offer that in this place. So I think malls just kind of, I start to build their own brand. It's no longer like Fayetteville shopping center. It's it's Fayetteville, but what does Fayetteville bring to you? It's local, local, Mm -hmm. uh, handmade, you know, and not all of them have to be this, like that girl aesthetic. They can be, you know, artisan. Yeah. I think you know, oh, cater ahead, it to, sorry, I'm getting like really hype now. Cater no, you're, you're buying cater- me. You're winning me over a hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. So this is where I ask you for money. How much do you want to invest? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, but I, I do want to say like, I think you're exactly on the right track because what do, in our generation, especially 
and and the younger generation what is seeing a huge rise is farmer markets like farmers markets like going to the farmers markets going to these and it is like little niche like they just have little tents i went to one last weekend where it was like little jewelry stores they're still charging 80 bucks a pop for like a necklace right but like it is something that you it's a brand that you don't know it's like it's local you talk to the designer you talk to the owner um that i agree because farmers markets are on the rise and malls are on the decline and it's because it's it's a mcdonald's of shopping right you can go to a mcdonald's in cali in new york and get the same thing yeah right yep and uh victor gruen is like you guys totally bastardized this Mm -hmm. my idea of a mall by putting in a kfc like what are you doing putting in a kfc i wanted it to be this cosmopolitan yep and yep. and so that's kind of the mall evolved into this bastard child <laughs> yeah um, and i just think about like even still like the chicago where i'm at like we have the the, the michigan avenue like it's it's like the i think they call it the miracle mile and it is like burberry coach like huge like forever 21 is like five stories they have the world's biggest starbucks there it's like a five-story starbucks why do you need a world's biggest starbucks like what more can you offer me than like the seven drinks on the menu oh it's like specialty items and like they have a full alcoholic bar too so you could like go and like get an espresso martini they have like special reserve starbucks in there it's yeah 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 it is actually there is one in seattle and i love i i don't go i go i went to it maybe once but like it it does feel very posh walking in there yeah but you're still ordering the same thing you're still ordering like a microwaved egg sandwich (laughs) yeah but you're like i'm doing it and i'm paying a dollar extra for it yep and it's worth it yeah the pike's place seattle one like it's five dollars extra yeah i'm with you i'm with you on that one um but it is like but it is like and the people that live here are like, oh, Michigan Avenue, but like it's a tourist destination, right? Like people come from all over the Midwest to go shopping. It's it's a madhouse at Christmas, right? Like it is, um, and it works, right? It works. I don't know, man. I, 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 think, I forgot where I was going. Yeah, but. but I just think I think the mall can evolve into. I, I think brick and mortar needs to evolve in in itself. People are sick of seeing the same stores over and over yeah. and over again. So let's fucking get Abercrombie onto e-commerce and get girlfriend leggings mm. into malls. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out girlfriend leggings. I know. Yeah. I always shout out girlfriend <laughs> leggings. I'm wearing them right now. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's just something. It's like a legging company that it's sustainable. It's made out of plastic water bottles that people don't know about i'm sure they're mm. they do have an audience like they're pretty popular but mm-hmm. it's like i want to see that i don't want to see a lululemon like i've seen it i'm done i want to be introduced to something more so i completely um, agree let's just revolutionize the idea of brick and mortar entirely and i think malls can survive i think malls have a chance if we get spencer's out and girlfriends in yeah and what about i mean even so let's just say like you do have like let's say forever 21 right like you do have an e-commerce platform but you also have the brick and mortar what's your in like your gut reaction to forever 21 saying hey like you can promote it on your website like here's a new shirt but it's only available in brick and mortar to try to get people to like go to like you have i think that's a way interesting tactic yeah like you have exclusive items that you have to go to the brick and mortar store for 
instead of offering everything you can online, right? Like I love that idea. And I am I'm actually just like now I'm spitballing because yeah. you talked about like there's like a selfie museum and there's the museum of ice cream where people cannot get enough of that shit. And you know mm -hmm. what it is? It's just like a whole room painted pink and it's monochromatic and you have a pink couch. Like how hard is that to replicate in a brick and mortar store? You know, it's not very hard. So you create this whole experience. Um, in Seattle, there was a Glossier pop-up, the line, and I was working at Nordstrom at the time. So we all went as a team. The line mm. was around the block waiting to go into this Glossier pop-up. Why? I can buy Glossier online. But mm -hmm. they created this pop-up experience where there was, you know, greenery in the windows. Like they had this, I mean, to your point, they had like a personal, personalized shopper coming up to you and greeting you and walking you through all the stuff. And it's, um, so I, I think the space itself needs to feel yeah, not just the mall, but the stores in the mall need to make you want to take a picture of yourself. Yeah. I agree. Like, I went to the girl, I went to the Glossier pop-up in Seattle. Here I am. And then you create a fandom. Yeah, um, I agree. Like have those little, I think even if they, you know, now I'm spitballing too, even if it's not like you get these, these localized, cause the, the issue that I saw with getting like these brands that you've never heard of is I think the novelty will wear off, right? Like you go the first time and you're like, Oh, I've never heard of this brand. You go in there, you love the stuff, girlfriend leggings. Oh, this is sustainable. You buy some there next time. Are you, you're just going to go to the website and be like, yo, I want more of them. Right. So what That's about so like, true. Yeah. But what about like, you know, these brands just kind of coming and going. So every time you go to the mall, it's a little bit of a new experience, right? Like you maybe are there like brands just kind of like if, if, if malls allow brands to rent out a space, a storefront for a month. And it's like, we're here for one month, come in here, get these exclusive pop-ups and then they're gone. And then you come back next time and it's a new brand. And like, it's always, it's kind of this evolving, shifting experience rather than just set in stone. You're going to get Schwartzky crystals or whatever. Um, Could not be more of a fan of this idea, but I also want to kind of combat the original argument, which is like, People can go and get introduced to girlfriend leggings, but then buy it online. But my theory, my pro proposal is to put in something that keeps people coming back, like a yoga yeah. studio, like a juice bar, like a yeah. wellness center. Like, oh my God, if you just name anything wellness, your white girl is going to like, <laughs> you know, you get it. So Ooh. like all the white girls are going to be like, yes, wellness, sign me up. Yeah. So, and know then once worth. again, no, oh my God, cringe. <laughs> um, so uh, that experience, uh, getting people a juice bar. So replace the Orange Julius with something healthy, like RX bars or something. Yep. I don't know. There's just so many ways to innovate. There's so many cool companies out there that I don't understand why the malls still have a Macy's and a Sears yep. anchored at both sides. Um, you could, I don't know. I think you're exactly right. And so like in our mall, let's, let's say the Caitlin and Zach mall that we're going to build um, in an ideal world built for the future, instead of anchors as department stores, we have anchors that are like a gym, a yoga studio, like community, community 
things, right? Like that is the anchor. And then in the shops in the middle are shifting. I I think that's the mall of the future, right? Like you just have little pop-ups that, that are going to come and go. So you have these anchors that draw the community in, not for retail, mm-hmm. but for, but for like community engagement back to the original vision. Yes. And then you have this kind of living organism of stores in the middle. That's not just stagnant, but always something new and moving and i, I think love that, would be the way that. To go. i love mm-hmm. that i think it's, i have nothing else to add i feel like we have built this utopian future of the mall and i just want to leave on a good note before either one of us fucks it all up so yep it'll get bastardized the utopian vision of the mall has been made um we're trademarking it so don't steal it from us but if investors are out there and they'd like to invest in our idea please get a hold of us or join our facebook group Uh, that was the best plug i'm gonna let you know i'll let you finish the plug but my god that was brilliant that was amazing Go ahead. our our facebook group is manipulating the masses podcast and we will put i have a ton of awesome 1986 or 1980s mall commercials that i'm gonna submit i hope to find my old glamour shots so you guys can Uh, see those i am very young so be nice um yeah don't put um, too hard. <laughs> but you can make fun. And that's <laughs> it. That's all she wrote.